This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hello, I'm Scott Soshny. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the Putting the Classic in World Baseball Classic Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. Putting the classic and uh, world baseball the classic. It's okay. It's okay. I have. A, can I start with a complaint though? Uh, please. Always. One of our colleagues, who shall remain nameless, Nick Peacock Smith, was Ooh. in my office right before I came in to record, and he had some sort of kale salad. The whole place stinks of kale salad. I don't <laughs> feel as if my full focus is here because it, okay. it's, it's in the old factory up to the brain. It's just. It's just in there. Blaming the kale. Classic, uh, <laughs> classic complaint. It is. All right. But now let's go to what we do on this show. If you have your bingo card of Sashnikisms, the focus group of one, let's get it out of the oh, way right off the bat. Early. Yes, and, well, you know, but you know, this is an important one because I'm driving home from the hockey rink. He got off the ice around eight. So it's, I don't know, it's 8.15 or so. And my son checks his phone and he got a snap from his, his pal Hero, H-I-R-O. And it's, hey, uh, the, the gang's at my house. Come, We want to come over and watch the baseball game. And, of course, and by the way, he really wanted to go. So he was like checking his phone for the scores. Like, oh, they're losing 3-1, whatever. And the thought of, I don't know how many, five, six, seven, 13-year-olds saying, hey, let's get to... They didn't do this for the Super Bowl, by the way. They didn't do this for an uh, insert sporting event here. But... For this, it was making the rounds on Snap. Come on over. Let's watch USA Japan in the World Baseball Classic. And let me tell you, they were into it. That is a great sign for Major League Baseball. And why do you think that is? The Super Bowl is obviously a bigger event in America. Is it the, the country aspect of it? Is it, is it the sport? Is it, is it baseball? Why, why do you think it is that your son doesn't watch baseball games, MLB games at least, but suddenly the World Baseball Classic final is, uh, and don't, is something yeah, he wants don't to do? Don't discount this, Eben, and you and I talk about it all the time, that you cannot guarantee wins when you become an owner of a major league team. Mm -hmm. What you can try and guarantee or really you know, create is atmosphere. And how are you going to tell me that the atmosphere of these games does not contribute mightily in a world where a 13-year-old is looking at a 15-second clip of something that happened and said, that is cool. I want to be a part of that. And how about the clip of a Rosarena 
going back to the wall, robbing a home run. Stare somehow the camera from the, you know the uh, from behind home plate gets him staring, and then he's signing autographs on the field. I mean, I can't think of anything that approaches that kind of entertainment wow factor during a major league baseball game. I just can't. Yeah, I guess to play devil's advocate for a second, does he like want to watch Duke games, right? Duke basketball games? Like, th- there's other sports that have pretty crazy, not like that atmosphere. Like Savannah no. Bananas have it, kind of, right? Well, you probably enjoy that. Yeah. I'll tell you. <laughs> let me tell you this, and and I hope we don't get yelled at by our friends at, at Major League Soccer. No, it's fine. But my focus group of one, you know, his favorite part of the game of MLS games of MLS games his favorite part and you know for the most part we go to Yankee Stadium for NYCFC soon to have their own stadium we've been out at Red Bull his favorite part is to go hang out behind the goal during yeah. warm-ups because the shots go over the bar and the, you know and they're running for balls and the, he he loves that and then the game starts and there's sort of a okay unless you're in sort of the supporter section which we're not um it, it's it's a little bit of a letdown and I think it's the same when, with the NBA sometimes when you get the the let's use the Chicago Bulls as an example, where you get that great, you know, and now you know the and the the music, dun, 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 all that, and then the house lights come up and it's like, <laughs> doop, 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 the ball. You know, I think there's a little bit of a letdown, and I'm not sure of the exact way to carry the momentum as we've seen, by the way, in in international basketball. Everybody should see. A, a a world championship basketball game in Istanbul. Mm-hmm. You should see the Drazen Petrovic fans showing up to cheer him in the Meadowlands years and years ago, way up high with flags and whistles and all that stuff. Yep, it makes for a really good time, and I think it matters. I I think it's funny that and and we talked about the kind of the the uh, pre World Baseball Classic finals uh, backlash that a lot of baseball fans had towards this event earlier in the week and and last week. Um, I think it's funny that the the common complaint about the All-Star game, for example, right, is that the players don't care yep. and this product sucks. And then you have the World Baseball Classic, which is the opposite, right? The players care so much and fans are also complaining that the product sucks. I think it's funny that that that, that you can have fans. I'm sure there are tons of baseball fans that, that are saying the same thing about both these properties, which is on one hand, the players don't care, so I don't care. And then this other one, like the players care so much, but I also don't care about that. I find that dichotomy to actually be fairly funny. I think it's palpable that the players cared so much and I think it translates and it wants me. In the the old days of the NBA All-Star game, man, when you have like Iverson going against Kobe, going against Jordan, going against whatever, they cared. They played. They play, you know, I can understand in the NFL why you don't. I mean, I I give the NFL a total pass here. You're not going out whacking each other in what is a glorified exhibition game. I get it. But it does matter when you can get the best of the best to care so much. I mean, and just think about this is luck, of course, but what everybody looked at is, oh, imagine the possibility of Shohei Otani (laughs) on the mound facing his teammate widely regarded as the best player in baseball for the final out of the and sure as can be. You get Mike Trout against Otani. And by the way, way, and I I don't want to get too inside baseball, but what a sick final pitch. That was, that was about as perfect a slider as you can throw. And 
if it's possible to elevate Otani, this two-way monster, <laughs> into like the maybe like the, the most popular figure on the face of the planet in terms of athletes, man, oh man, really yeah, something. Yeah, not not only do like it, would it be cool to see Shohei pitch to Trout. Not only did you get that, you got it in in the in the last out of the last inning, but it ended in a strikeout, right? So like a strikeout or home run is is the definitive win for either of those guys, but it could have ended in a pop out or a ground out or a single and then someone else gets a hit. Like the fact that it just ended with a definitive punctuating win for Shohei. And and you're right, the the, the real baseball fans I think need no there's no more evidence they need about Shohei's incredible talent and, and, and what he's doing to change the game. I thought this was interesting, Scott, and I, and I, and I said it to you earlier in the office, Spot Track, which, which tracks player contracts and all that. Uh, they tweeted uh, today, right before we recorded this, the, how they project a, what a contract would be for Shohei if he was just a pitcher. And that's an eight-year, $230 million deal. If he was just a hitter, that's a 10-year, $333 million deal. He's obviously both uh, in some capacity. Uh, what he is doing on both sides of the ball in Major League Baseball is is truly amazing. And he is, I think, the Angels have a decision to make. And and, and if he gets to free agency, all that... Um, I think this is the most intriguing and 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 and, and awesome free agency that that I think baseball's seen in a very long time. And if Artie Moreno ever wants to sell the team for real, I mean, as part of my sales deck, I, I would have you know all the team related stuff. But I'd have a separate pullout on Shohei Otani mm-hmm. and the global possibilities open him. One of the folks who was kicking the tires and one of the bidders on the Angels before it was yanked off the market was a was a Japanese group, and y- you can see that they probably have. A, uh, a different line item for Japan and Shohei Otani and how they intend to monetize him. But I, I don't know. Am I super excited if I'm Rob Manfred because this happened? Or do I weep because it's over? And now I have to figure out when I've got Kansas City at Oakland on a Tuesday night, <laughs> what do I got? I, I, you, I mean, you have to be excited, right? Like this is, it, this yeah, is I, tremendous it, for baseball. I, well, I, I keep just don't see an argument. Older fan base and this and that. The kids are watching. The whole world is talking about your sport. But damn, you got to capitalize. You got to keep that momentum going. I agree. And 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 there are certain tailwinds to baseball's business. But there are, there, sorry, there are just certain headwinds to, tail, to baseball's business. There are tailwinds as well. And I think this is the tailwind. The tailwind is that unlike some sports like American football, baseball is, is still extremely popular in other parts of the world. And if you can continue to bridge that gap, increasingly between the baseball loving fan. I, I, I live in Washington Heights in, in New York, Scott. If you walk around Broadway up in my neighborhood, every TV has baseball on it. And if it's the World Baseball Classic, it's that. And very often it's not Major League Baseball. It's Dominican Leagues or it's baseball games happening in Puerto Rico. If, if Major League Baseball can continue to bridge that gap between the baseball fans and the league here in the U S and all these other pockets in the Caribbean, in South America, in Asia, where where the game is still very popular and has room to be even more popular. That seems like that's the business recipe for success for the league over the next couple of decades. I can't wait for you to bump into Lin-Manuel Miranda on the corner. Be like, I have an idea for a one man show (laughs) rap about a very rap about a, a popular Japanese baseball player. Randy Aruzarena, a Broadway show. (laughs) Rhyme something to a Rosarena and you deserve every award they give you, Lin-Manuel. It's great. Yeah, Cuban defector turned uh, Mexican uh, sports star. Uh, It writes itself. All right, let's go from baseball's magical moment to the magic man himself. 
you and I report it. And I, 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 I can see by your face, you're like, good segue, Sash, yeah, Nick. Exactly. Nicely yeah. done. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I don't have the one for the next one, but we'll have to see where we go. <laughs> but, but the Magic Man, uh, part of Josh Harris's bid on the Washington Commanders. I mean, where we are now, n- nearest intel we can tell is that the Josh Harris group is... Uh, how about if this is the New York City Marathon? I think they've entered Central Park. Hmm, okay. okay. All right. Yep. You've entered. A couple miles entered, left. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Let me even make it closer. You've entered the West Drive. Okay. Like you, okay. you can see Tavern on the Green, <laughs> but there's something going on with your muscles. What is that? Lactic acid buildup. Oh yeah. Uh, or maybe some sort of hip injury. You may know something about that. <laughs> where awesome. you're like, oh my lord, I don't know if we're going to get there. I'm not, you know, because it's just this great. You know, I, I think we're in sort of the. Is Dan Snyder going to take a little bit less than he wanted? Is Josh Harris and and all going to raise their bid to get to the six where Dan Snyder wants to be? Is Dan Snyder just going to say the heck with it? Because my, this is now just tea leaf reading. Don't think Jeff Bezos is going to make the bid. There may be other people, as we say in hoops, hanging around the rim, but this this Josh Harris group is a is a good group with operational expertise. They've got some good capital backers and out there getting a little bit more. Uh, whether or not that'll go into uh, a higher bid, we'll see. But you know, Magic certainly addresses what the NFL would like, and that is uh, some some diversity in the ownership ranks. He's got operational expertise from his other sports investments. Um, seems like a a good guy to have in your group when you're approaching the NFL. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tack a few more things onto that. He is uh, extremely charismatic. Uh, he is very... Ah, popular. that magic smile. And it, it, more so than probably any team that has been sold, uh, it, sports team in, in the past decade, and I'm including both the Clippers and the, uh, and the Suns in this, Whoever owns the the Washington Commanders next, I think, has a th- there's a bridge that needs to be built between the franchise and its fans again. To, to see, get I, a see, lot I, of, see, if, can I disagree for a second? You absolutely, yeah. And I'm uh, happy I, to, I think as we do when we when we yell at each other out in the newsroom, I think that this is very similar to the Dodgers situation, in that the fan base is was so happy to be rid of Frank McCourt at the time that whoever came in was going to be viewed as a savior by the fan base. Like you had a two, three year halo just because you're not Frank McCourt. This halo may extend even further because Dan Snyder is not liked in the District of Columbia and surrounding areas. I, I, I think that we can both be right about that because I don't disagree with anything that you just said. I think there's I don't a subset share my of, rightness with you, sir. A, a subset of Commanders fans. I agree that the minute Dan Snyder no longer owns this team, we'll, we'll happily come back to rooting for it. I do think there are some others that 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 it might it might take a little more, right? And the, the Dodgers are a perfect example for this conversation, Scott, because we're talking about Magic Johnson, right? And Magic did this role in in LA. He was the public face. He was the one that showed That's up. That's why a lot he was so events. important in that bid group though. Magic was a difference maker in that market. 100%. And I and I think that if this is what 
Josh and, and Mitchell Rails and, and and Magic have in mind, I think he can obviously, even though it's not LA, I think he could serve a, a role like that here as well. We we've seen Josh owns co-owns the 76ers and and the Devils. I don't think he he is the type of owner that really wants to be front and center all the time. I don't know about Mitchell Rails either, but there, there's definitely room, I think, again, especially in this context. I think there's room for this ownership group to have someone who is willing to do all of the do a lot of the public things and show up and shake hands. And we haven't talked about the stadium, Scott, but so much of building multi-billion dollar NFL stadiums now is shaking hands with politicians and walking into doors and com- commanding rooms and having those people listen to you and, and, and trying to negotiate deals. And, and Magic feels like he's also uh, pretty valuable in, in, in those kind of rooms as well. Well, I, like I say in my sports business joke, which all you need to do is get all the people of Buffalo together and say, you vote on whether or not they want to pay for my stadium. <laughs> might, might be a little different there, but yeah, might be um, a little different. I, not that anybody you know is asking my advice, but my unsolicited take is if you're looking at owning an NFL team and you have a horizon of decade plus, which would be my guess for Josh Harris, this plus, is not a yeah. three, four, five year uh, private equity-like investment, you know, quick, uh, quick, somewhat quick exit. If you're looking at this as a long-term hold, it is cash flow fo- positive. You will be profitable on day one. You are probably going to get a building that will, much like Chase Center, be a cash register. Um, what's a what's a few hundred million between friends? Raise the bid. What we've seen in franchise values alone in a league where. I don't see the hard cap going away where you are profitable solely on your national TV deal. You know, when your largest expense is, is the player pool, then you add tickets and merch and all the other things you do uh, about a safe investment as you could possibly get. There's also an option. If, if Josh doesn't want to raise his, his price or what he's putting in, he can add money to his group, right? He can, he can look and, and, and bring in another LP or something like that. Cause I can add another couple hundred million dollars and, and without him paying more than what he's comfortable with, uh, raise the valuation on the deal. I don't know if he wants to do that, but that's also an option. Scott, I was looking at these numbers, uh, yesterday and I, I think a lot of commanders fans know this. I think a lot of NFL fans don't realize the extent to which commanders fans have turned on this franchise. Oh yeah. In, so you tweeted in, this or whatever. This was good. In, in 2010, the commanders had the second highest attendance in the league, 83,000 people. And last year they were dead last in the league at 56,000 fans per game. So in, in a little bit over a decade, they went from the second highest attendance in the league to literally the lowest in the league. Um, it, it just shows two things. One, again, how how much fans have turned away from the Dan Snyder-led commanders. But, but to your point earlier, or I guess both of our points, just how much room there is for people to come back and how, how much fervency there actually is or once was in D.C., for this team. And yeah, I think if you're a, if you're a prospective new owner, you're looking at that 2010 number and you're saying, okay, this is, if I, if I can do the right things here, I think that can be an expectation moving forward. All right. Let me look at the standings. Cause you know, I don't know this stuff. I'm looking from last season, Washington eight, eight and one at home. They were four and five. If they were 12 and five, like the Cowboys, or 14 and 3 like the Eagles and I know you can't promise that or 13 and 4 like the Vikings 
look at me reading them off, pretending to be smart. Or thirteen and four, like the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Oh, you really memorized? Oh, those well, I know my Scott. NFL standings, eh? Um, would that attendance be the same? Uh, it just, or is it just sort of I, I'm just totally turned off and I'm not going. Yeah, I think it's probably a bigger. I bet you Snyder plays a bigger role than the than the and 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 if if I remember correctly, this was a team that was kind of in the running for the playoffs until until the end of the of the NFL season last year. So it's not all like right. they were they were bad all year. They were they were vying for, for 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 at least a spot in the playoffs at some point. I am literally patting myself on the back for the transition already. Of course, those fans, you know, fans short for fanatics. Uh, good come on Novi Williams <laughs> easy but good yeah e- well, oh, easy did you have anything planned or are you waiting like for me fan, to make it fan, okay you always criticize my openings I think the, the fan to fanatics transition is a pretty simple one <laughs> <laughs> yes but you didn't have it uh, fanatics and the NHL have a deal and uh, fanatics will now sort of be the the on like the label fanatics will be on the jerseys that the players wear and I mean they've made plenty of um, replica stuff for the NHL already, but I saw Gary uh, Bettman and Michael Rubin on CNBC, and they're like, well, it's the sort of the natural progression to our relationship was for Fanatics to put its logo on the uniforms, and you and I were both surprised, and I'm a hockey guy, you and I were both surprised that like there was a little bit of backlash, uh, at, at least if you're, if you're gauging by social media, like hockey fans didn't seem to love the move, which I, do, I just don't understand. Yeah, I want to get to the fan reaction in a second. But but first, I'll start with the, with the news part of it. Um, I, I think natural progression is, is the right way to think about this. And it's it, it really does show the, the gradual evolution of Michael Rubin's the, the e-commerce business and the way that Fanatics has transitioned from it's just being its e-commerce dominant to pushing its own brand. Uh, this felt like an inevitable thing years ago, Scott. The, the minute back in 2016, and I think the NHL was the first partner of theirs, the minute Fanatics got its hands on apparel rights, right? So they started with championship shirts and, and headwear, I believe, so that when the Capitals win the Stanley Cup, the, the t-shirts that everyone puts on, those are Fanatics branded shirts. And then they elevated to making replica jerseys in the NHL. And then they elevated to uh, th- this this perfor- authentic pro line that they have, which is performance wear. So stuff that players are actually wearing when they're working out or when they're training or when they're practicing. Um, it does seem like when you, when you view those things as step-by-step fanatics, pushing its own brand kind of deeper and deeper into th- this whole ecosystem, the authentic on ice jerseys uh, seemed like the, the exact next step. And, I would not. I would be surprised if, in in two or three years, if the NHL is the only major U.S. property that 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 has an on field or on ice jersey. Ooh, Novi Williams value add fanatic projection. And, I love and, it. And for folks, because I saw this a lot on Twitter as well, people kind of wondering, oh, Fanatics doesn't make doesn't make authentic stuff. Doesn't make the the the, the player worn stuff. They actually do. They they bought Majestic back in 2017, and Majestic is uh, was for a long time the, the maker of the official. Uh, baseball uniforms, and now those those uniforms are Nike uniforms. But Fanatics still makes them. So even though they bear the Nike swoosh uh, uh, for for MLB players during games, that actual material, that actual uniform, was made and manufactured by Fanatics. So it's a company that has been doing uh, making authentic game worn on field uniforms and other sports for a while. And then the last thing I'll say, Scott, is that they fanatics hired a a number of the people from Adidas that were working on the authentic Jersey program, NHL program in, in the previous few 
few years, they're, they're contracted with the same manufacturing plant uh, that, that made the Adidas uniforms for years as well. So I, I don't think there's going to be, a, at least not in the beginning, a massive change, probably in, in design or really in composition and quality between Adidas and Fanatics. And I know that's a concern uh, for, for, from the fans that we saw on Twitter. Now, is that factory uh, located in Quebec? I actually don't know where it is. I know. Really? I, <laughs> I know think, it's in I Canada. Think it I, is. I know something you don't know Ontario. about this story. You're in yeah, trouble. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I, that should be a rule. Wherever your <laughs> jerseys are manufactured for your players wearing it, you have to have a team. Note for Gary Bettman, Quebec. Mm, good right? rule. <laughs> yeah. Let, let, let's, let's get the Nordiques back because I like the logo. <laughs> anyway, uh, one thing we do here when we see, uh, whether it's companies or team, whatever, whenever there's fundraising, we like to go right to the cap table. We're yeah. like, all right, I don't care. I mean, I care about the amount, but for me, when I judge um, how interested I am, I like to see who is going in. So the fact that Slam Ball was coming back, all right, interesting enough. But you and I then we go down and we take a peek at the cap table, and we're like, huh, this is this is pretty interesting. Let's see what this group of what we think are savvy sport investors uh, are putting their money behind and. Maybe maybe this thing's got some good legs yeah, and, and and easy. It's got some bounce, Scott. Uh, an I easy transition I did, I here. Intentionally didn't say it. <laughs> it's it's got an easy transition here because Fanatic CEO and 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 founder ish uh, M- Michael Rubin part of this cap table. Some other big ones, David Blitzer, who it, it feels like is invested in pretty much every sport at every level uh, a- across the world. Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, my friend Lord Danzig of Sharp Alpha Investors, um, Blake Griffin, former or current I guess NBA player. I'm actually not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, which, which bucket he he falls into, but yeah, it's an interesting cap table for a, I think a really interesting product, right? I, I am a, a product of the of the slam ball era. I, I loved watching it when it was on TV back in the in the late '90s or early. If 2000s. memory if memory serves, help me on this, and I don't know why this is bouncing around back in the medulla oblongata, but did Pat Croce have something to do with slam ball back in the day? Oof. I do I not know. You, all right, so you you keep giving some of your really good analysis, and I'm going to go to the Google <laughs> yeah, because yeah, for a, some reason that's in my brain, and I don't know why. Fit, slam ball seems to fit very well into this mold that we've seen a lot in the past few years, and we've talked about it on the show, Scott. Of this, these kind of upstart sports leagues, and some of them, like the XFL, exist kind of within this a sport that is extremely popular right now, and then some of them, like slam ball. Uh, are are kind of built around uh, a, a different experience or something that pulls from sports that we know in this case basketball to a degree and and adds a unique spin on them and and, and one thing I will say Scott because w- you talked about your son and the way in which a lot of his fandom seems to be driven not by what's live or what's even the most watched things on TV but more what's what's getting buzz on social media and yeah. what's easily clipped and TikTok and and Instagram and Twitter. I feel like I see slam ball all over almost all the time, right? They, like it, it, weeks, it does, a week doesn't go by, but between when I see some kind of spy, uh, slam ball appreciation tweet about how amazing it was back in 2002 when, when Spike TV was, was airing these things. So it does feel like a sport that is maybe better than almost any of the other ones we've talked about. One that is especially made for short little highlight clips that can go viral on social. All right. Two things on the Google. April 3rd, 2008, Slam Ball Commissioner Pat Croce. Huh? Commissioner. He there was you the go. commissioner. I did not. I, I For some involved. reason, I had Pat and Slam Ball in my head and I couldn't figure out why. Now I know. And here's the Soshnik value add 
for any parents of 13-year-olds out there. There is like, if there is zero chance I am allowing my idiot to go to a slam ball place and play with his pals. There would be <laughs> multiple you concussions, can it, play <laughs> multiple broken ankles. I'm there is zero, ch- and I, as you know, I am one to let him go and do. They play this side. Have you ever heard? I don't even know. Like maybe you've heard it. They play these kids. They play a soccer thing called Brexit. Like they just mm. get soccer players together. It's called Brexit. <laughs> it's called Brexit, and it should be break it because pretty much the, the, the whole point of the game is to see how hard you can slide tackle somebody. Okay, and, like I, and I the let, carrier, uh, but for against my better judgment, I let him go. But there's zero chance I would let. No freaking way. They would kill each other on sl- great property and snippets, like you said. Great for yeah. social. Great for. I, I I see all that, but participatory zero chance. I'm letting my kid in on that. Just I just don't, I do not disagree. It's it's funny that the all this talk about head injuries in in American football, which is a, a, a to be very clear, an ex- extremely uh, big concern. But then there's also all this excitement about a by the sport way, like and, slam ball coming back. By the way, and and soccer and hockey. Like sure. I just feel I feel like sometimes football get, is like the poster boy for it all. I get it, but concerned in all the others as well. Let's finish up with Rick Pitino, coach mm. at St. John's. Now I go back in the day. I'm I'm like a a core Big East guy back in the day. I was I was at Madison Square Garden all the time for Big John Thompson, Jim Bayheim, Louis Carnesecca, and talk about the St. John's program. You're talking Chris Mullen, uh, Matt Brusque, Boo Porter, Michael Harvey. You probably Ooh. don't know. And yeah, you probably don't. The San Jacinto boys. You probably don't know any of these players, right? Do you at all? Uh, a couple of the names bounced to me, but yeah, nothing. nothing. Oh, like Chris Mullen, obviously. I, yeah, I, Chris I Mullen, hope that's I know, that's yeah. one. Yeah, but Matt Rowe, huh? Anyone? Matt Rowe, anyone? That doesn't mean anything, no. No, he was a Syracuse guy. Just I was just testing you. <laughs> just seeing, just seeing where you were going to go with that. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, it's just like Rick Pitino now, and the interesting part here: big name back in the number one media market, and he is already taking aim at what he's hoping to create. Yes, winning basketball, but it was all about. We're going to pack the garden. The, the season ticket sales were up 20% already. And that's a big part of the allure of a coach these days. It's not just are you going to win games, but how are we going to do in the coffers? And he is selling the fact that this vision is going to translate into dollars. I wish St. John's was a public university and we could get our hands yeah. on this contract. I would not be shocked if, if which we're seeing increasingly in some coaches' deals now, uh, some kind of a cut of either ticket sales above a certain threshold, commercial deals that come into the university via the coach. We've seen that a little bit in college football. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if, if if Rick gets to share in the upside here. Um, the the Rick has a very checkered history, obviously, for a lot of different reasons in his past. It seems very clear that he is a heck of a of a basketball coach. Uh, d- did a great job at Iona in the years that he was there. Made a number of NCAA tournaments. I don't believe they ever won a game, but but got there a lot at a relatively small school. And I I, I think I've I've made this rant about Rutgers basketball before, Scott, but it, it holds true for St. John's as well. There's so much high school basketball talent in this little part, little section of the country between North Jersey and, and New York. And it, it, it should be that the local colleges are, are really good at this sport because you don't need, it's not football. You don't need 40, four and five star recruits to, to, to be competitive nationally. You need two or three 
four or five star recruits to really make a dent. Um, so yeah, you can say what you want about Rick's past, but I think from a basketball standpoint at St. John's, this is a no brainer hire. And I do think I agree. I think there's uh, I think there's a nostalgia aspect as well, both to, to it being Rick and also just the way he's talking about the big East and, and New York city basketball. Shout out to Marco Baldi and Bill Wennington. He is Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. Our producer is Matt Whitehurst. Thank you very much, Matt. Digital media editor is Cora Veltman. She does like it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of the Sportico Media Network.